Hello, hello. What we up? are here with a new Mobcast, a very important special episode. We have the great Brandon Carlton. Is is this your first guest? Yep, you are the first oh guest, my gosh. sir. Feel special. Yes, it's a big one. I do feel special. The first guest. How are you, man? I'm good. I just got done doing yard work, and so and it's like 95 degrees out, so I'm hot and sweaty and Looking feel gross. And get some sun. And I'm sitting on, I think, some fake leather. Fake leather. Or I don't even know if you can leather. pass it as fake leather. It's just so I'm bullshit. feeling a little, little sticky, but I'm feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to upgrade to cloth for yeah. in the summer. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, that shit. But uh, do some more yard work after this, huh? Yeah, th- it's gonna be easy though, cause it's a. Uh, um, so I have a little bit. I've I've never. Um, I've lived in Molina Rock Island my whole life, and. I have, I guess I have no history that would make this following sentence make sense, but I have a little bit of an inner hillbilly. Yeah. If I can, if that's still appropriate to say in 2018. Uh, and that's, I like, how dare you? And, and I have a inner love and respect for, uh, Hank Hill. So I like to ride my, uh, in-laws riding lawnmower. <laughs> I don't know why I like to do it. It's a lot of fun. They have a, they, they don't have a ton of land, but takes me like 20 minutes and i just cruise around and i drink beer and i smoke cigars while i do it yeah and i have a bucket hat and i just like i don't know there's something i get a lot of joy out of it for some reason why would anyone do drugs when they could just mow a lawn (laughs) (laughs) exactly right just that's and they have a pool which helps it's an above ground you know also hillbilly but um so, you know, I mow the lawn and then I hop in and then we throw some stuff on the grill usually. I get along with my in-laws super well. Uh, they're super cool people. And so it's kind of a, and once the summer comes around, it's like a nice weekly or bi-weekly tradition where I just go over there, cut the grass, and we grill out. Nice. My, my father-in-law burns the shit out of the burgers, you know, <laughs> like classic old, old man, just grill them till they're whatever like charcoal bricks themselves <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's if there's something good about it i don't know what it yeah, is you yeah know? yeah hell yeah that's good especially with the pool man Ooh. yeah sit there i'll be out there all day yeah sit sit out there and drink some beer and just hang out with good people you know yeah hell yeah so brandon is an awesome quad sidian he's involved in so much shit <laughs> a lot of charity work lots of different uh community programs and shit he'd be putting on so yeah you can Tell us about whatever you'd like. Yeah, so maybe I will. I will. I'll, I'll kind of run down a list, um, and then I'll actually before I run down the list, let me let me bring up a topic. Yeah, I'll run down the list. Then we can maybe come back to the yes, topic. Yes, sir. Okay. So the reason why I do a lot of charity work it's not and charity work's kind of the wrong word. I actually have never referenced it as charity work in my own life, which I understand though why someone would put that label on it. Um, so there's a real common thing in the Midwest, maybe all over America, but definitely in the heart of the Midwest where um, a lot of people grow up religious. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you. so it doesn't even matter if it's religious or not, but you grow up with a certain paradigm that your parents like kind of, you know, you grow up within that paradigm and your parents kind of hand that down to you in a sense. Right. And then you reach a certain age, and it's a different age for all people, you have to make some sort of decision where it's like, do I want to keep that paradigm or do I want to like go see about other paradigms or just go make my own 
And so a lot of what I do is a response to the paradigm that I grew up in and not knowing and, and leaving behind um, 95% of it. Yeah. <laughs> and Keep then, what's important. And then yourself. keeping five. Yeah. So I have this, um, this like whatever visual in my mind that I always think of when I talk about this, like, you know, those in like goodwill hunting or in a photo of einstein there's this giant uh chalkboard behind him Mm -hmm. with like these this long ass math problem right a lot of times um i feel like when i talk about uh religion or anything like that it's a conversation where i I, me and two people or me and me and one other person we're looking at this chalkboard and we're pointing at like parts of the equation and we're like no i don't i don't like that oh i don't believe in that let's erase that we get it down to like two things mm-hmm. they're like okay well, that, that's an, a shitty way to go about it i'd much rather just like throw the chalkboard away or erase it all and then like write two new things up there yeah you know but anyway so that's been a big process that i've been going through for maybe um eight years now and where it's left me is doing a lot of where i'm at now where we're trying to do a lot of good things in the community um without having the like religious stamp put on it or yeah. the uh you know whatever the, just leaving behind the the shitty parts of what my church experience was growing up and just doing the stuff where it's like you know it sounds so you know it's a super common trope but you know whatever one love type stuff where it's just like try and tear down the borders between uh, me and other people and then we're all connected and um you know, mutual respect, empathy, all those different things that um, are a lot of religions have, but don't really operate under those principles, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we can come back to that. Yeah. So because I, I, I've the we I see you on social media. I think you see me on social media and we interact sometimes on different things. And I've always wanted to, like, have that conversation with you. Yeah. Great. Um. Anyway, so quick rundown. A lot of this, too, just to give proper shout-outs. Um, I have a really good friend. His name's Jason, Jason Holtgrew. Um, he has, me and him have kind of gone through this whole process together. Is he the pastor? Yes, he is yeah. a pastor. Yeah, so we, I'm technically a pastor, too. We'll get really? In, we'll get into oh. this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't use that word ever, and <laughs> we'll, we'll get into all that maybe yeah, if you want to. Um so me and him, and actually it'd be really stupid to leave my wife out of this because she um, has been really vital in this whole process too. So I, I just want to give proper credit where these aren't just like, I've thought of these ideas and then go make them happen. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's usually definitely me and Jason um, doing a lot of the admin work or the planning and the like thinking through the meaning behind it and like, you know, making literally just making it happen. Um, one of my favorite quotes is every movement needs somebody with a, holding a clipboard. Yeah. <laughs> like every like name of movement, civil rights movement, women's like suffrage, whatever. Like there was someone that was like with a clipboard. It's like a super unsexy job, but it's super necessary. Super necessary. Yeah. Um, you have to have organization. Anyway, so Jason's definitely been the guy with the clipboard. And a lot of times I come to him with some harebrained idea. And he's like, okay, yeah, let's like try to figure out how that can exist. Yeah. And, uh, and be sustainable and not just be a flash in the pan. Well, anyway, so 
that's a really long lead up to a couple of things we saw so, uh, a couple of things we do one the most the primary one that we've been doing the longest is a thing called laundry love mm-hmm. so that started uh, three years ago this uh, July it'll be three years that was the first thing you started doing basically yeah in that area yep that was I think yeah that yep yeah that was there's a group of us who um, a group of people that met in my apartment once a week on Wednesday nights and ate dinner together and it was a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life um, that had a lot of different opinions about everything which is why it was so much fun uh, and we, well, the one thing we did agree on was that we wanted to give back to the community somehow, be involved in the community somehow. And so we came up with the idea for, um, well, it had, we didn't come up with this idea. This has been going on for like a decade and Cal- it started in California, I think, but there's a bunch of, you can go to, you can just Google laundry love and there's, I mean, like probably 500 places across the country that are doing their own unique thing mm-hmm. um and so we heard of it and or heard about it and we were like hey that'd be cool we should try that um so yeah that was about three years ago we started doing that that essentially is once a month it's now expanded to two locations but once a month we um provide quarters and laundry detergent and laundry sheets for people uh and they come and they do their laundry for free they do their laundry like we don't touch their clothes or anything mm-hmm. like that um, but we pump in the quarters and put in the detergent. Uh, so that's about, we spend about a thousand bucks a month doing that, which is, uh, you know, so it's somewhere around like in three years, uh, you know, well, yeah, I mean, that's gotta be like, what's three times 12. So it's like 30, it's like, uh, <laughs> 36. 36. <laughs> yeah. I, it hasn't been a thousand every month. It, maybe it was five months in when we got a second location so like conservatively it's been about thirty thousand dollars in the last three years that we spent on laundry and that's somewhere around like i think i did the math once it was like fifteen thousand loads of laundry or something like that wow um so that's one thing we do and that's you do two locations like they operate at the same time once a month yeah so wednesday nights the first wednesday of every month uh it's from five thirty to 8 p.m and we uh each location has about 50 families that come and yeah we just do everybody's laundry it's been super cool because selfishly it's been super cool because we get to know so the rock island location in particular is really close to where most of the refugees in the quad cities have settled so that so on a given night if we have 50 people there 30 probably 40 of them are refugees somewhere from africa a lot of them are from uh tanzania there's a section in tanzania if i get in this right called burundi i think a lot of them are from there and then uh there's probably like five or six iraqi families Mm -hmm. and then there's like two or three regular americans uh the iraqi families in particular have become really good friends with my wife and so they have us, especially right now. So Ramadan's going on right now, um, and uh, they have a pretty badass like meal at the end of because they they break their fast at sundown, yeah. and they have pretty good fit. So we'll go over there and eat a lot. I mean, you know, I don't know how many times a year. Maybe it's not like crazy, but maybe like eight to ten times a year, we're over at their apartment mm-hmm. in. Uh, 
uh, eating their food, and it's amazing. So that's been cool. How long is their fast? I don't know how long Ramadan is, but it's from the time they wake up to the till sundown. Hmm. So they they have one meal at sundown, and, and that's it for a twenty four hour cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny, not funny, but like they so they're what they try to do. This is them telling me this. They try to sleep as long as they can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they try to eat the biggest meal possible and then try to sleep as long as they can so they then they so a lot of them sleep until like 11 a.m or something like that yeah. you know um you notice them eating a shit ton afterwards when they break the fast yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean they yeah they go I mean, middle eastern and like asian cultures in general are like they really i mean i guess it's not just them but they really love their food and they really love cooking for other people like i remember one time it was it was like 8 a.m something super like a saturday morning it was super early and we got a call one of them was having like car trouble as well i don't have there's an atmosphere line um i don't know nothing about the uh something i don't know about cars other than to drive safe and slow I don't, but I don't know nothing about the engine is one of his lines. That's, uh, that's me. Like, I don't know anything about cars, but I had a friend who did. So we go over there. It's Saturday morning. And it took, a, like, they needed, like, a one part. We went to the store and got it, and he fixed it. It was, like, a half hour hmm. max. We get back, and they're, like, come in, come in, come in. We come in, and they, like, made a full – it's, like, 9 a.m., and they made, like, a full, like, dinner. Just while you were gone? <laughs> I don't <laughs> – Maybe they started, but – I have no idea, but, I mean, it's, like, <laughs> chicken and rice, and, like, it's not breakfast food. It's, like, <laughs> full-on dinner. Um, but that's just their – that's how they roll, you know. Um, yeah, so that's one thing, laundry love. Then we do um, – we do these things called giving grubs. Mm-hmm. So giving grubs are uh, our way of. Oh, okay, so maybe I'm trying to think of the best way to start going down this list. So this is a little insight in the thing that I left behind when I left behind my parents' paradigm was if you look at most budgets for like churches and things like that, the budget is, and I'm not trying to, I guess, I don't know why I really care that much. I'm not trying to like alienate or talk shit about anybody, but like it's normally 90 to 95% in the money goes in, in house. Mm. So salaries, this is, we don't, we actually don't own a building. We rent because Mm. um, you wouldn't believe how much um, money organizations spend on like light bulbs. and paper towels for the bathroom you know what i mean janitorial supplies um i worked for a church uh in my early 20s and their annual budget for janitorial supplies was seventy thousand dollars (laughs) what yeah it's crazy anyway so the um yeah so it was really important for me and jason to look at our budget and try to get it um to be as close to the opposite of those numbers as possible. Yeah. So we spend, uh, we have a very, very tiny budget. Um, and we spend about 60 to 75% of it on going out, you know, on laundry love. And another one is giving grubs. And so we wanted to um, support other people in the community that are doing cool things. So instead of handing them, 
we had room in the budget. It was like 250 bucks a month. We can give, um, not a month, sorry, a, uh, a quarter, mm-hmm. 250 bucks or so a quarter, maybe like 300 that we could give to other like charities or nonprofits or just any, like one time I think we gave money to like a family that was trying to adopt or something like that. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a full on organization. Well, anyway, so instead of handing them that money, that's kind of boring, right? Mm. You know what I mean? Like if I knock on your door and hand you a check, that's cool. You're happy, but, um, it's going to help your organization. But if I, if we instead take that $300 and we buy, uh, food and then we cook it and then we sell it Mm -hmm. and we have a big community event, then one, we end up making more than $300. So you usually double that and we give them 600 instead of 300. And then two, you we did a ton of marketing a shit ton of marketing for your because we want people to come to the event so it tied into that marketing for the event is the organization that we're doing it for and then there's um actually during the we do it at a brewery in um davenport great river brewery uh there's a lot of people that just come to the brewery to get a beer yeah and then they see oh what's this and they learn about it uh, a lot of times people just donate money to it when they show up and they don't even get any food. Like mm. they, they already ate dinner maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is a nice community aspect of people. Yeah. Create a little community buzz when you have that event that otherwise wouldn't have happened if I just knocked on your door and gave you a check. Yeah. That's probably the best way to do it. Mm. Yeah. And it's super fun. So, uh, I love cooking and I, um, uh, the, yeah, it's just a fun day. Just like get people together and you know mm-hmm. it takes like two days to cook all the food because you are cooking with like 100 people in my tiny little apartment kitchen uh i i'm confident i could i would uh kick ass on that what there's a like a cooking show where they try to make they give you like the most random oh yeah uh, utensils and like whatever <laughs> like i can i can cook any i once made soup or uh um uh fucking uh what's the uh why am i forgetting the like word a chili a roux a roux so you know a roux that usually requires a stovetop and a pan or like a pot and i did uh did it on a griddle in a aluminum foil pan mm-hmm. <laughs> like ingenuity I, I can, yeah i mean anything that i needed yeah anyway so that's a lot of fun so laundry love giving grub and then we do these things this gets a little church lingo-y um and i don't really like that and either does jason but uh, we call them missional sundays so actually that's happening tomorrow and so what we do is um, we find different things in the community that need to be done that are like a little bit more hands-on and like labor oriented Mm -hmm. uh that this is you know another way for us to give back to the community without needing a big budget uh, this requires hardly any money at all. Usually, when we do it, so as a like as a group, there's like maybe 15 of us. We'll vote, uh, and then we'll go do something on a Sunday morning during the time when we would normally have church. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, you know, it's kind of put your money where your mouth is, kind of thing, or or like let your walk match your talk. But so we um, some examples of what we've done is we'd go to um, the the, the old Arsenal court, Courts apartments in Rock Island. can't remember what they're called now. I don't know. But they usually have a bunch of, like, 
um, whatever, just trash floating around. A lot of uh, people who have littered all over. So we just mm -hmm. spent a morning cleaning up that apartment complex or whatever. Um, there's other ones where we've done an old lady maybe needs help with her yard work and we'll just go and like, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it might be, we just go try to find stuff. Um, and it's, again, it's fun because it's, you know, getting your hands dirty and you're working with people and there's a really sick, like strong sense of community when you go through that, you know. I bet uh, it feels good after you do all that stuff too. Yeah, it does. And, and, you know, and sometimes you do it for Iraqi families and they cook you food afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, so that's another thing we do. Uh, now if someone wanted to do the laundry love, do you have to sign up for that? Or you just show up. Are you talking about if you need your laundry done? Yeah. If you, if you need your laundry done, you just show up. Um, and then the, there's, there's a little bit different protocols at each location. It's based off of the person, person running the location. Mm -hmm. So we do a little bit more free for all at our location where you just line up mm -hmm. and we just go for it. The Davenport location, you, um, you get there and you put your name on a list okay. and then your name goes in a, a random hat and then they pull it out versus kind of a lottery system uh -huh. whereas ours it's like just whatever order you show up in mm -hmm. you get helped um but yeah you just show up and for giving grub people just show up yeah yeah you yeah. hope you have enough food <laughs> yeah we actually we have switched our model i always try to make too much in the last two i was like let's it'd be better if we sold out right yeah and spent less money um so yeah last time it goes from five to eight i think last this was just last weekend or two weekends ago. Um, we sold out of food by like seven. Yeah, which was like we actually had to run to the store and get. It's good to sell out, no waste and stuff. And then no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. there was a couple where we wasted so much food, and I felt really bad. Even um, if that happens, if you don't sell it, you can always just then donate that to a home yeah, or a shelter or something. Maybe they or? get pretty tricked. That's a, a lot harder than you think. Yeah, if it's not canned goods or like prepackaged goods. It's really hard just to walk in to like shelters and hand them food. Isn't there like a program or something set up where uh, restaurants can donate unused food? Yeah, for... so there's a couple different things where you um, exp expiration dates are bullshit. First of all, and so a lot of times you can exp you can donate expired food. I think um, I think restaurants do that a lot, and then. Um, yeah, it, you have to get, like, it's not a certification. That's kind of the wrong word, but, like, so if you've ever worked, oh, yeah, of course you've worked. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So there's all these different regulations around temp control. Yeah. Like, if you make a big-ass batch of meat, which that's what we a lot of times we do, and then you put it in a Ziploc and you take it to the place, well, it's, like, it's in the, quote-unquote, the food safety world. They say the danger zone or whatever. Yeah. It's just sitting there in that, like, bacteria zone. So if you don't have a method to, like, quickly cool it, and keep it cold and then deliver it, you're kind of shit out of luck. Maybe just get like a cooler with dry ice or something. Yeah, yeah, we definitely haven't thought through that. I bet we probably could if we really wanted to find a way to donate it, you mm -hmm. know, if we had leftovers. But, um, but yeah. So we're just sell out, man. Just yeah. Sell out every well, time. the shitty part about that is like, then we don't, I like last time I didn't get to eat anything. Oh, no. Yeah, that sucks. Well, you know, unless but, the Iraqis cook for you afterwards. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, we started out, you ever go to Volcan? Davenport. Uh, nightclub or something it is a nightclub but behind the nightclub in this like fenced off area where it looks like the dumpsters would be they sell tacos back there Ooh. it's only on the weekends it's from like 
8 to 2 a.m. or something like that. Um, so usually after the giving grubs, I've been cooking for two days, so I don't want to cook. So we go down there and get tacos usually. But, yeah. Nice. There used to be this place in Rock Island where this Mexican family served food in their garage, and they had it set up like a restaurant. And it wasn't, like, dirty or nothing. It was, yeah. like, really chill and awesome, and it was delicious. Then, you know, they ended up getting shut down yeah. by the city or whoever at one point. They, it was really popular. A bunch of people were always there. Like, I think they only did it on maybe the weekends or something. Yeah, no, there's a handful. I bet there's, at any given moment, a half a dozen of those places in existence that we don't know about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if in the Quad Cities. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, there's a few people that I know. Um, uh, Armando Acho is one guy. He works for Channel 4. He... Uh, he always posts photos of this place that he goes to. That's definitely one of those. Mm. And I, and it's kind of, you know, it's like take this random white dude into these, like, you know, it's kind of like, there's like a, a cultural, like, it, it's kind of weird to cross over into that world sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not always necessarily welcome. But, um, but yeah, anyway, they, they, they exist for sure. And oh, I've yeah. never been to one, and it makes me really mad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, although the closest I got was li- just last Christmas when I was trying to buy um, tamales. I got an address from a guy. Mm. I went and knocked on the back door. They didn't speak any English. They said red or green. They had two Ziplocs, red or green. And I was with Jake, and we said both. And they said... 20 bucks whatever and we just walked away nice yeah uh that was pretty was it amazing oh they were oh (laughs) well we were eating them in the car oh yeah yeah oh yeah yeah now uh given grub i always see it it, it's posted that it's ran by the qc food dudes so is that just you two yeah so yeah that's me and jake technically jake Jake okay yeah He always does the give and grub? He hasn't the last two, which if you look at the flyers, I've made a little joke and I say QC food men because <laughs> that's in reference to me and Jason. Because uh, it's like, well, it's still two guys, but I don't want to say QC food dudes because that's definitely like me and Jake. Uh, so I just changed it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah, me and Jake started cooking together like – I don't know how long ago now, five years ago. And that's something we've always just done together. Um, and yeah, that was part of it. That's like, man, we were working at a kitchen together and then we both quit that job and we were looking for an outlet. And we started doing um, uh, like, what do they call them? Not pop-ups. Oh, supper clubs. We did a couple supper clubs that we found people who wanted to host dinner at their house. Mm-hmm. And we made like a three or four course meal. And we like paired all the drinks together, and like we, um, you know, made some pretty fancy shit, you know. And we were doing that for a while, and then uh, we were trying to find another outlet for it, and that that's how Give and Grub, like started. Nice. Yeah. Now you and Jake, you guys, did you guys meet? Cause you used to be in the Beatbox Cloud Children. Was that how you guys met, or did you know? Him yeah. Longer. Yeah. So Jake. Jake, I met, Jake I met, Lyle, the bassist, the great bassist from. The, Condor and Jaber. <laughs> the, the, the great, yes. I was going to say late great, but he's not late. Um, <laughs> the uh, He's a different kind of late. He just shows up places late. Um, the, uh, yeah, so I, we, me and him were working at Best Buy. This would have been 2008. We were working at Best Buy together, and that's how I met him. We were both like 18 or 19, and yeah, I would have been 19, and we... Uh, 
I was in the me and my other beatbox card children started with two people me and my homie Jordan and he made he produced the beats and then we both uh, rapped and then we were we slowly started we got like a drummer and we're like okay we'll just leave the drums off the track when we perform and the drummer will play along to him so we slowly like we're trying to like get our live set to be more dynamic and um, then we met jake and jake was like hey i play bass i think he was in a band that had just broke up or something mm. like that and uh he's like hey i play bass and we we're like at there's there was a guy that we knew too that was trying to you know we were like practicing with here there trying to get him to play guitar and he was like hey i play bass and we're like oh if we could get him to play bass well anyway he had a friend who played guitar and he was like hey i got a friend that plays guitar too he's he's sick so we then we were like, well, shit, we were, so we had to go back and re, we had to learn. So Jordan would make beats with samples, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we had to go back as a group and learn these songs, how to play them, you know, play the sample. Yeah. Which is really fun. But the, uh, we started running into all these issues where like there was random and, and uh, so drum, guitar, uh, bass. Well, we wanted to get away from the track altogether. Mm -hmm. There's these random like collection of bits, like a second guitar part, a, a piano part, a synth part, um, a tambourine, you know, whatever they mean. Yeah. Like these like random. So I then switched and was this like whatever. I would I would switch what I was playing four or five times in a given set, and I stopped rapping, and so we just went to one front man who was rapping and then we all learned this he was still like a lot of times programmed the beats even like as time went on and we would just learn the samples mm -hmm. um there's a couple songs we had where we would write them but not very many but yeah Hell yeah. yeah that's uh that that yeah so we, we met at that's a long way to say we met at best buy <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah i remember those days when you worked there yeah ago, yeah and he's been man he's a one since day one like he is one of those guys who I've been so we've been friends for a decade, um, and he's like a he's like a brother in a lot of ways. And there's been different times in those ten years where like we maybe six months, maybe two years where we don't talk to each other at all, mm -hmm. or like here or there. Yeah. And then there's two years when we're like, you know, inseparable. Oh you yeah. Know? Um, so that's just how it is when you're friends with someone for a long time. Right. Right. Um, but yeah. That's the homie for sure. Hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can't believe that. Like, I remember you told me a, a little while ago that you were in Beatbox Car Show. I was like, what the fuck? Because I've, I've seen you guys way back. Yeah. A long time ago. Like, the RME, I think. Okay. Not in the Redstone Room, but the the hall next to it yep. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've seen you guys at least once, and it was tight. It was really clean and shit. Yeah, I vaguely remember that gig. Wasn't there somebody, I don't know if you stayed around, but there was someone afterwards that played a set with a trumpet. And they were really sick too. Mm, uh, I have just the vaguest memory maybe. of that. But yeah, that uh, that was a really fun time. That was a really fun band to be in. Yeah, you know, like we weren't like party rap or like, but our vibe on stage was like that. Hell yeah. You know, um, it was it was just a big party. We would always do this bit, the song at the very end of every set where I would actually play an xylophone, and uh, <laughs> we would. It, is a song called Shake Your Pants, I think was the name of it. And it was totally just like, all right, this is the last song. Get your, this is your last chance to just like lose your mind 
and just dance and go nuts. And so we would try to get people to come up on stage with us and dance with us. So a lot of times I'd be like dancing and like trying to play the xylophone above my head. <laughs> Luckily I'm tall. So, but like, I mean, it like I could easily could have like busted someone's head open yeah. with this thing, you know, and we're like getting knocked over and whatever. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that band was a lot of fun for sure. Hell yeah. Yeah. I miss it. How long was it together? Um, maybe like three years or something like that. I think we broke up like 2011, 2012. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a lot of, um, we were super young. So we were like at that time, like 21, 22, but the dude who was, he was the, um, guy who started it and he was the guy who made all the, you know, the beats and wrote all the raps. He was old and he's like 30 and he had his first kid. And he was just couldn't like keep. We would you know we wouldn't go on tour tour, but we'd take like uh, whatever four or five day trip to Wisconsin and like stop in Rockford, stop wherever Eau Claire, hit all these different spots and then come back. But he couldn't keep doing that. And that yeah. we were all like, that's what we want to do, you know. Yeah. So it came to an end. It's a damn shame. <laughs> kids ruin everything, oh, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. were you in bands before that or since? Oh, okay. So I was not since first. I, me and Jake tried to do a couple different things. Never anything serious. A lot of it was just jamming, like at my, in my parents' garage or whatever in my apartment later on. But like we never really. We kind of like loosely recorded like what would be considered demo tracks, but they weren't. We never really were gonna do anything with them. You know, we'd set mm -hmm. up a microphone and like play and. Be like okay that's an idea we got that idea yeah. on the shelf but we we were never going to do anything with that um before that so when i was 16 i was in high school i hated school me and a group of my friends were really into hip-hop like really really into hip-hop and i mean that hasn't changed but the uh so i was like damn all right, i'm gonna get an illegal copy of fruity loops this was like before Fruity Loops was Fruity Loops. Yes. This is in 04 or oh, whatever. Uh, and start learning how to make beats. So I started programming my own beats. And then we had, my parents had a Sony digital camera. And this was like the Nokia cell phone, brick cell phone of <laughs> digital cameras. You know, it's like right when they started becoming a thing. And, uh, it, but it would it would record video like this really shitty video. Well, what so what we would do is we would I program a beat and then I would hit record on the video camera and I would rap into the video camera and then I'd take that file put it on my computer and just take the audio out of it. Mm. So this is how I was recording. Mm. So I had two c two CDs with me and my friend. His name it's actually my sister's boyfriend his name was luke hole he went by holywood and my last name's carlton so i went by uh carlton of beats <laughs> and we uh called ourselves the dead beats this was in yeah 2004 so it sounds super nice. corny now but then it was like oh yeah and yeah we had like two two cds or so that we came out with with these like just terrible songs where are those at where can i get a copy <laughs> <laughs> you know who has a copy i bet my mom still has a copy or something <laughs> like that i cannot find um i have i have no 
I don't have a copy of it. Mm. But I don't want a copy of it because it was really bad. Yeah. You know, but like we wrote songs about, we had a song, it was a love song to a cheeseburger. We had a song, we had a lot of songs about how shitty our cars were. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like we just, you know, they're just like the <laughs> cheesiest. That sounds great though. <laughs> it sounds like a good idea. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, we're totally trying to be funny. You yeah. know, it wasn't like serious, like whatever. No serious content whatsoever. Right. Um, they were all like joke songs. You know, like Lonely Island, but in two thousand four. You know, yeah. maybe they maybe they got a copy of it and we inspired them. <laughs> Hell yeah! Yeah, that's dope. That's awesome. Now you also are involved with uh, a quarterly event called Different. Yes, so different, well, it started as a quarterly event, and we did two, and because I haven't had Jason um, holding the clipboard for me (laughs) as much as he has on the other events, um, it hasn't happened the third quarter. We're trying to do it um, pretty soon here, but yeah, so these events are started by um, sparked by an idea of, have you heard of these like um warehouse abandoned warehouse theaters like in New York does this um I don't know okay so let me paint you a picture right which if we could pull this off in the quad cities would be the dopest thing ever so it where it stems from is this idea of the theater like Broadway or just any like play type thing Mm -hmm. being this sounds really pretentious and I'm not an actor but being like too boring for the actors there's not enough like action there's not enough um, there a lot of them are improv actors that like want something more exciting Mm -hmm. so they do these different things where you get basically you remember the SNL skit with Tom Hanks and he was in the elevator. Do you remember this? It was I don't a couple think so. Mr. Uh, oh gosh. Anyway, okay, it's fine then. Uh, well, anyway, so basically, what it is is you get a ticket. A lot of times it's with a group, and there's like an abandoned building, and you walk through it, and in different rooms there's different things happening. So you could a go in any order you want from room to room. B you could be in there as long as you want. And then, see, sometimes you don't know if the people in the group with you are actors or not. So, okay, so here's here's an example is you walk in a room and um, there, and everything in the room, including the actors, is interactable with. (laughs) So... You walk into a room and it's just, it's a set designed to look like a bedroom and there's a couple arguing and then over on the um, on the uh, like a dresser there's like a love note that you can like pick up and read and it like kind of gives you a backstory of what's happening. Ooh. There's a wow. knife there's a knife and you can like go and hand it to one of the actors what? if you want. You know <laughs> so and then you go to another room and there's a whole other thing happening. Um, one I one example I heard was there's a this is a friend of mine who went to one. He said that he walked in and there's this, it looks like a, some sort of like canvas material, but it's like also looks like, like a, 
hide like a skin like it's really tan and it's stretched out maybe like 15 feet wide like 10 feet high and there's these lights projecting uh, against the back of it so it kind of creating like a shadow effect mm -hmm. well they you're sitting there in the room and you're kind of waiting to figure out what the heck's going to happen and all of a sudden you hear like a thump, thump. well they're like throwing something like mud or clay or plaster up against this thing and then they go and then they have these little um tools like a stick or a whatever and they like kind of paint within that clay that's been thrown up against the canvas and they tell a story with it mm. there's music playing and then someone comes and squeegees it all off and they throw more up there and they like so it's just people telling a story on a canvas <laughs> then he said he goes in another room and there's all these like different types of bottles and like growlers or like colgan bottles all these different they're they're in like a u shape and in the middle of the u is a woman wearing like a big flowing dress and uh she's like crumpled over like you can hardly tell if there's really a human there it just looks like a pile of fabric mm -hmm. well all of a sudden water starts dripping from the ceiling well they're dripping into all these containers and so all these containers are certain notes that you would like play on a piano you know mm -hmm. so they start dripping this water in this certain mm -hmm. rhythm and it makes a song and she's just like starts dancing <laughs> And you go in another room, or you know whatever. Yeah, like, that's crazy. Um, wouldn't that be dope? That'd to, be yeah. That's really awesome. Like a yeah, interactive. Wow, that's yeah, crazy. You have no idea. Yeah, like, and like he told us some examples where like someone there's an actor with him, and the actor like turned on the crowd and started like acting like he was part of the crowd, but he was mad about the play, or whatever. You know what I mean? Okay, like yeah. like adding these different elements in, but uh. So my very, very dumbed down version of that is different. Uh, I knew I couldn't have the time or capacity or even know how to do uh, a, a full-fledged experience in an abandoned building, which the Quad Cities has plenty of. Um, so I was thinking what would be better would be to create some sort of immersive experience the best that I can which was different. So what different is, is uh, it's designed to be as many different types of art presented to a group as possible um, around one common theme. So uh, it's not a spoken word event. It's not uh, an event where, or you know, a show where a bunch of bands get up with the same genre. It's not a play. It's not... Um, uh, video screening it's not any of that it's all of that thrown in together and, and paced out really um, kind of a rapid succession mm -hmm. and uh, it's just supposed to immerse people in this whatever the theme is so you get exposure to and the, the, the main difference to for what we do is a lot of it's about story. So I'm a really big believer in people's unique stories and that every person like story is 100%, not 100% unique, but like everybody's, you, you know, has something meaningful to say and meaningful to contribute to a conversation. So a lot of it is we pick a theme. So in the past we've picked mental health, which mm -hmm. is the one that um, you were so um, helpful with and, and came and performed. And then the other one was uh, on race. So I was trying to get different people up on stage to 
give their artistic expression on those topics. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. What What's your idea for maybe the next one? We have two different things that keep going back and forth. So, um, and I want to tread carefully here because the uh, area in general is experiencing some different, uh, let's just say different issues with sexual harassment things like that and so that was one thing i wanted to talk about with sexual abuse and sexual harassment um the and the other one would be um shit what was the other one oh just like the lgbtq community in general giving mm-hmm. them a place to get up and share their story and share their experience uh our area is very kind of gone away from that a little bit because there's a certain element to what we're doing that needs to be um, against the norm. You know what I mean? Like a yeah. little controversial. Yeah. Uh, if you really want to challenge people, then you can't, you know, if you get up and say everybody loves puppies, it's like, okay, it's boring. Mm-hmm. In our area, I think the the cult, American culture in general has a long ways to go with our um, the way we interact with the LGBT community. But the Quad Cities in specific has like a huge support it's a very supporting area which is Mm -hmm. one thing i love about our area so it's a little less i guess what i wouldn't want to have happen is this sounds so i'm i'd be happy actually to see this happen on one end but it'd be really against the idea of different if everyone got up and was like man the quad cities has been so welcoming which i don't think that's going to happen i don't think that's everybody's story yeah um i mean everyone has their own individual like coming out to their parents or whatever that might be mm-hmm. that is really tough for them uh but anyway so that's kind of where i'm at i'm trying to think through those two different things because on the other end sexual harassment sexual abuse that's really like that's almost too not too controversial but like getting people to bear their story about that on stage mm-hmm. that's you have to be in a like that's a really hard place to be at where you're willing to get up and talk about it you know yeah for a lot of different subjects it's hard for people like even with the mental health i'm sure it would be hard yeah. for people to get up and talk about that or whatever yeah the, harassment. the only difference is that and again i'm i'm speaking from such a privileged place as someone who hasn't experienced sexual harassment and someone who hasn't discrim uh, experienced discrimination based off my sexual preferences. Um, But the only difference between the mental health thing and um, sexual harassment is there's no, like, legality. You're not going to be in legal trouble if you get up and talk. There's no, you know, there's no, like, legal ramification if you get up and say, I have depression. Mm -hmm. Or if you get up and say, fucking Joe Blow over here touched me inappropriately. (laughs) You know, I highly doubt they're going to be in the room. But, like, there's this whole other level of, like... Is that something you don't want to happen? Like, calling out people? Yeah. You want to just talk about what happened? Maybe, like... Yeah, yeah, really personal. Person A, you know, unnamed or something. Yeah, not even that. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's it's not that it doesn't matter. And, again, I don't want to say anything that's, like, insensitive. It's not that it doesn't matter who did it. It's that at that event, because I think that that's a very important part of a survivor's story is like naming like, yes, this individual did this to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, that's really important. But I, I guess for the, the type of event that I would want to see would be something a little bit more 
um, and I'm really happy you're asking me these questions because I'm like, it's helping me process this, Good. would be something that's a little bit more like, um, this made me come to terms with certain parts of who I am. Yeah. And what I am about and what my life is about. And uh, it, it was an area of extreme two things well either a is an area of extreme pain and grief and i'm still in that and i'm still processing that and i want to give people room to do that or b it i came through this this time of of grieving and of mourning and it's been a really i've grown through it and now i'm here mm -hmm. those are like kind of two example stories that i'd be really interested to like hear and i give people space to tell yeah because those, I, the whole point of it is is really, I said this before on stage, is and this is gonna sound like I stole it from the movement, but I said this before the movement started, the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. I wanted, I said, you know, for the very first one, like I wanted this whole event to be a collective Me Too. And that's the point of the night is to have it be a comforting time for people who attend and be like me too i have mental whatever i have i have mental health issues too or i've been sexually abused too or i've been discriminated discriminated against too and it's comforting to hear someone else get on stage and say that mm -hmm. uh representation to me is like one of the a, a big topic that i've been thinking about lately um you know that bojack horseman is asexual really <laughs> really who said yeah. did they yeah the show creators said or? no 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 not bojack the the dude that lives with him it's oh not bojack uh his roommate yeah what's his name todd or something todd yes todd todd is asexual so there's a yeah because really... that was like yeah the girl's like hitting on him in the show or whatever and he's like i don't know what to do i feel i don't feel that it's like i'm feeling the right emotions or whatever um but i was listening to a podcast it's called nancy super good podcast and there was a, I think the person was like 35, maybe 40. And she, her whole life knew something was different about her and didn't know what. She just knew she was different. And she's watching this. I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll do respect because I love the show, but she's watching this dumbass cartoon. <laughs> and she's like, holy shit, I'm asexual. Wow. It I, took that show to make her realize? Yeah, huh. and, it, and it spoke to me on so many levels about the importance of representation. Like, we look to our books, our movies, our TV shows, our magazines, or whatever, to see, other, to see ourselves and other people. And there's a lot of people out there that never get that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I identify with it. It's made me think about that, too. Like, the, you know, you think about Black Panther, why that was so important. But in the very least, you could, uh, if, if you were a race that you don't see yourself very often with on TV, you might, you might not see that, but you might see someone in love. And you're like, oh, I've been in love before. Mm -hmm. I can identify with a love story. I can't identify with these two white people, but I can identify with a love story. But think about that if you're asexual. I mean, what, name me a movie or a show that probably, you know, the odds of it not having a love story wrapped in are pretty slim. Yeah. And so everything you watch is these people falling in love and like you, your world just doesn't make sense until you watch fucking BoJack Horseman. Wow. Like, cause that's crazy how you said that lady who was asexual realized that just from watching that. And like, yeah. I've watched the show and I didn't, I guess I didn't even grasp that myself. Like I didn't yeah. think 
yeah, it's like asexual. the end of season two. I think it's one of the end episodes, if I remember right. She said she just started like bawling down, like crying, just like holy shit, that's me. I figured out what's wrong with uh, not wrong with me. They figured out why I felt so different for so long. Yeah, watching BoJack. Man, <laughs> yeah, sexuality is crazy too. I know you can relate with being so busy balancing different projects and stuff. It's like, man, I almost wish I was asexual just so I didn't have to <laughs> spend my energy on dealing with that whole aspect of my life. <laughs> yes, yes. That if I is... felt like if I was asexual, I could just fucking take over the world. <laughs> I wouldn't have these, you know, like desires or things yeah. like, you know, in no. the back of my mind pushing me towards, you know. I totally, <laughs> I've totally had that exact same thought. And not even that, but just like, yeah, the there is... So this came up not that long ago where I had a crazy weekend where we had an event after event after event. We had, it was a give and grub. It was Mother's Day. And then we get to the end of the weekend, and my my wife, her name's Amanda, she's like, well, that was a shitty weekend. Like, I didn't see you at all. It's like, man, I'm doing all these great, quote-unquote, great things, mm-hmm. but I'm actually being a shitty husband. Yeah. And it's like, well, how do I... Oh gosh! Like, what? What's a priority there? Make her come with you. Put her ass to work. She right, was. No, she was there. She, <laughs> she was, was there. there. Don't worry. Yeah. She, she wanted she, personal time. Huh? Yeah. Well, not even that. Just you know, like whatever. Me being mentally present in a room, you know, where I'm not just like focused on a task, you know. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you, when you're leading or um, managing a project of that caliber or that size, you're you're keeping a dozen plates spinning at a time. Like you mm-hmm. don't have, if she was dropping any sort of hint about being unhappy, I bet she was all weekend. I didn't even notice. You right. Know? Yeah. And then, you know, the weekend's over and then it's finally like, well, that sucked, you know, but anyway, yeah, that's definitely something I'm aware of for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're also a podcaster yourself. You've been, you have owed to the underdog. Yes. Yeah. I forgot about that too. <laughs> yeah, Ode, Ode to the Underdog. This is actually back to me loving people's stories. This is something me and um, a local um, artist named Aubrey. He's become a pretty good friend of mine. Uh, me and him started it. And talk about a person with the clipboard. Aubrey is the person with the clipboard. He schedules a lot of the interviews and um, keeps me motivated to keep recording episodes he's always like we got to get more recording we got to get more mm-hmm. recording you know uh but yeah so me and aubrey sit down we with people in the quad cities that typically don't have a microphone in front of them mm-hmm. and that are doing really cool work typically it's like people, the people with the clipboard yes like that might not have a mic oh yeah that's such good uh synergy thank you for pointing that out yeah definitely the clipboard holders of the community that are doing really great unnoticed work and um just ask them about it and let them tell their story sometimes it's just cool people we just try to talk to people and be like hey you are cool let's talk yeah (laughs) you know what i mean uh and that's i mean we've had like 30 episodes recorded and maybe like three or four people are just random ass people who we wanted to talk to. The rest are people, you know, like you that's hustling, trying to do um, so many different things. And are people who are trying to start, you know, people are trying to start businesses or um, have started businesses and are like, this is super hard, you know. That was a lot of it was we knew that the Quad Cities was a very specific sized market mm-hmm. that has very specific challenges uh and 
if it could be a help to other people trying to do things you know here or like you know i, I always think of like omaha or uh i don't know like tulsa oklahoma i don't know these places that are like somewhat big areas but they're not like chicago right. you know yeah they're 350 whatever half a million and they have a small town feel but a big town feel mm -hmm. it's like well how do you do stuff in those communities successfully uh and so that my our goal was that people would be able to listen and be like oh that i you know whatever it would empower them to be able to go do whatever they're trying to do in mm -hmm. their community you know right yeah hell yeah now you also did uh we are probably wrong podcast are you still doing that or is that are you focused <laughs> holy on shit Ode bro you're Underdog? going deep <laughs> i feel like this is uh nardwar or whatever you got all these deep cuts on me um <laughs> yeah so we are probably wrong has not officially ceased to exist but it unofficially has so it was three people me my brother-in-law his name's Dan, and then my friend Jason, who I've been mentioning. Mm -hmm. Me and Jason both had kids. And then Dan, uh, he adopt him and my sister have adopted four kids now, and they just mm. got, in the last five months, just got a like a, a infant, a three-week-old. And uh, so it's just like an impossibility. Mm, to yeah. like, we, try, we try so hard to record episodes. We've scheduled and canceled a hundred times. Um, so it hasn't, we're not officially done with it, but, um, that one to tie back all the way to where we started, that podcast was about that journey was the three of us going through this journey of leaving paradigms behind mm -hmm. and trying to figure out where to go next with that mm -hmm. and the difficulties that, um, are associated with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting having a podcast with like four hosts, if you will, like, you know, all four, it was four, you guys, just, was three. It just three. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, just the three of you guys. I'm sure that's a little bit harder trying to get everyone on the same schedule for recording. And yes. Stuff, you know? Yeah. Getting that yeah. all to work out. Yeah, and we're we would record. So we're at, it actually just started because we would get together a lot and just smoke cigars and and drink whiskey and just talk about whatever. And then one of us had the idea of like, I bet there's other people trying to figure this shit out too. We should just post it you know as mm -hmm. a podcast um and i was like oh i can set up a one microphone in the middle of the room and hit record that's not very much work mm -hmm. and it, the, the audio quality kind of sucked because of that um and the content actually kind of you could you could tell and by we were doing we had talked for like three hours they'd be like we'd try to break it up to like hour-long episodes but you could tell by hour three when we're just like slurring our words yeah <laughs> and like falling asleep because we we'd always do it like at 9 p.m and we're not used to being up super late mm -hmm. um so yeah there's a lot of reasons why that kind of has sl slowed down but um yeah that podcast i wish uh, yeah we should try to start doing it again when did you start that one um it would have been two years ago this upcoming like October or something like that. So eight, 18 months ago or something like that. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. And now your involvement with the Connection Church. Yes. Has seen you've done podcasts through that channel. Yeah. Yep. So Connection is officially no longer a church. Really? 
So connection, not not that we've ceased to exist. We got our um, 501c3. So in the government eyes, we are no longer a church. We are a nonprofit. Okay. Um, in the community, wasn't that how a church runs as a nonprofit? Or? The, there's a religious nonprofit oh, and a non-religious yeah. nonprofit. Okay. Um, there's different tax exemptions. They technically, it, it kind of falls under the same umbrella. Why wouldn't it be religious nonprofit if it was a church? Okay, a couple of reasons. Okay, so this is gets into the weeds of running a church. So there is, so this is what a lot of people don't know, I think, is that when you call yourself a non-denominational church, you're actually part of the denomination called non-denominational. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the most, yeah, so. You, it's like atheism is a religion, Yeah. basically. Yeah, so. You, it's not exactly that cut and dry, but that's yeah. kind of how it works on paper. Um, you have to like, so to be a church, you have to, I could be, I'm not an expert in this at all, but we were, so we were part of a denomination. Being a part of that denomination meant a couple different things. One, a percentage of our, any money that was donated to us had to be given to the denomination. Mm. So when you have a really small group, um, that you know, so just to be transparent, I think our budget is like three three thousand bucks a month, and we never reach that. <laughs> so, um, so if you're struggling to get, and you have all these different things you're trying to do, like we're trying to do, well, you know, if you're making, uh, you know, if you're if you're getting a hundred thousand dollars donated a month, well, whatever, ten percent of that, you can still do a lot with ninety thousand. Yeah. I mean, anybody, this is basic budgeting. If you like have, you don't make a lot of money, you know, a hundred bucks out of a thousand though, nine, 900 versus a thousand. That's a lot bigger of a dent. Yeah. I mean, like mathematically it's the same, but the, how it works in the real world. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's a lot. So, um, that's part of why we, so we wanted to leave that denomination for that reason. And also because we don't agree with a lot of what they believe in. Mm -hmm. We're continually leaving behind low hanging fruit would be, you know, their stance on gay marriage or their stance on abortion. Um, and then some of the deeper hanging, deeper, uh, higher hanging fruit <laughs> would be like believing in a literal resurrection of Christ and things like that. You know, like we're leaving behind these real um, and I don't want to speak for everybody that attends our church or anything like that, or even Jason, but this is just something that as a church we've been trying to, or as a, as a community, we've been trying to like rid ourselves of some of these hard and fast rules that are, um, oh, so a good example is we do that event, we do give and grab at a brewery. Well, we got word from our, like the people that run the, denomination that we can't market that we have an event at a brewery it's things like that mm. you know because it's what if an alcoholic sees it and goes to your church or whatever just shit like that yeah. well anyway so we so it's like well maybe we should go to a different denomination well we looked not too crazy like not too like in depth but we did research a little bit and we're like we really don't belong in any denomination mm -hmm. so we could become a non-denominational church well that still requires some level of like you have to be registered as that to yeah. somewhere non-denomination is a denomination yeah <laughs> it's re it's really ridiculous well um 
So we were like, well, we actually are way more along the lines of just a traditional nonprofit than we are with a church. So it just made sense for you guys yeah. to do it that way. Yeah. So we, you know, we literally maybe two months ago finalized that paperwork. Um, it's just been a, 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 the next step in the evolution of who we are and what we're trying to be about, you know. Mm -hmm. So the Jason... There's people, let, let me put it this way. There's people in the Quad Cities that would say, I go to a church and it's called Connection. And there's people in the Quad Cities that say, I have a pastor and his name's Jason, or I have a pastor and his name's Brandon. Um, but we do not, one, there, there's so, certain um, worlds where like you have to, like it's like disrespectful not to call people pastor blah 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 mm. we no one on a sunday morning would address me or jason as hey pastor like that is not what our community is like and like, then, please don't call me that <laughs> no seriously and then there is um a, probably a larger percentage of people that don't know we're a church and don't know we're pastors, but know about Giving Grub, and they know about Laundry Love, and they know about Different, and they know that Connection's involved with it somehow, but they're not entirely sure. And that's kind of how we wanted it. You know, the what we didn't want, a lot of places... Okay, so let me tell you a story from three or four years ago. When we started Laundry Love, and we're still very much in this world of church, there was people, and they have since left the church, who um, <laughs> said, I don't think Laundry Love's a very good idea because we're not getting any new members from Laundry Love. So, any, so in other words, anything we do in a community needs to serve as a marketing effort for the, to get more members into the church. Mm. And that's where we're like, well... Well, no, that's not. Yeah, yeah. We're in the community because we want to help people out, and yeah. we want to give back, not because we want to grow our church. And um, so there's so we've actually made a pretty. We don't dissociate ourselves from it. You know, if you see a giving grub poster, it'll say sponsored by Connection because we're paying for it. But we don't say. We also whatever, like we don't really like market ourselves as being a part of it. Different, yeah. different in Laundry Love, I actually hardly have any, you could go to Laundry Love and walk out and not know it was run by connection. You could definitely go to different and not know that it was a part of the, the thought team of Jason and I, you mm -hmm. know, um, the given grubs other than the posters, same thing. I don't think you would necessarily, other than the fact that on our Facebook pages, we're, promoting them like crazy mm -hmm. so um the podcast the connection podcast well me and jason share um we split the the responsibilities of this is gets really like jargony and i hate it we show we we share the responsibility of speaking on sunday morning but that is nothing like what most people imagine when they hear that so when i say speaking on sunday morning typically what that means and there's usually about 15 of us and we sit around a table mm -hmm. and we um we have we do a couple different things so we uh read um what are we call modern day parables so they're not um, really religious in nature but they make you 
um, just kind of like think about life in general mm-hmm. and how you how you navigate through it and how you are positioned in it. And then we do, I will, me or, me or Jason will um, not stand up a lot of times and like talk while everyone's facing us and listening. We will do like a five to 10 minute primer on like, hey, I've been thinking about this. Uh, here's uh, some of my in- entry level thoughts let's have a discussion about it. Mm-hmm. And then the whole table will chime in and we get people, um, we get, you know, we have people, I think the oldest person's 75 and then the youngest person's eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like then they're, they're chiming in, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That we have high schoolers that are um, chiming in like, oh, this is where I see what you guys are talking about at high school or the eight, eight year old. This is where I see it happening literally at recess, what you guys are talking about. Um, and so it's actually modeled after, uh, loosely modeled after Socratic seminars, which is exactly what that they would, um, Socrates would like, they would be in a square basically. And Mm -hmm. they would kind of like cross debate and they would have people behind them actually that were like in their corner kind of like, Oh, you should mention this or whatever. It's kind of loosely modeled after that, where it's like propose a topic and, Let's debate. It really is a debate because we have some people that are like, I believe, blah, blah, like they're like actually really religious. And then we have, there's a guy there that's uh, fresh out of AA and Alcoholics Anonymous is very much, um, they talk about a higher power. Yeah. But their whole joke is that that your higher power could be the doorknob. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be, you know what I mean? It's just whatever you are like using to kind of position yourself in the world. And so he pushes back a lot against the religious person who is talking about this bearded guy in the sky when they talk about God. And then there's like me who's somewhere kind of in between there and trying to figure it out. So it's like all these different people chiming in. Uh, And then on the podcast, I kind of try to synthesize that conversation. Mm -hmm. And so typically I'll give my 10 minutes worth that I said on Sunday morning and then I'll have some new thoughts based off of the conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh man, they made me think about that completely differently. And then depending on what people share, I'll, sh- I'll say, Oh, someone was there and they said this and it was yeah. really like enlightening or whatever. Right. Um, so that's what, which it's totally, uh, wa- it's so watered down from the dynamics of, it's kind of like we're talking about different where it's kind of like a wild west where someone could just get up and be like this guy you know what i mean like someone could get up they have the freedom to say whatever they want we i don't i do not when we do difference i don't ask people well what are you going to say i need to read it first or i need to yeah i'm just saying yeah get up and share your story and that's like who knows i'm basically just hoping that they've i'm asking them based off of i've seen you maybe or i have a hunch that when you get on stage, it's not going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that's it. So it's the same thing on Sunday morning is like people, you never know. It's like, wild. that's literally the wild west. You never know what someone's going to say or what direction it's going to go in. Um, and, and so it's, it's really it's like, if I, maybe it's, I'm weird, but I think it's fun. Yeah. You know? No, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. I've listened to a couple of the podcasts you've done through the connection channel. And yeah. those were like, you did them solo, just by yourself. Is that how it always is, or is it like you and Jason, or so some are just him? Or? It's never me and Jason together. Okay, it's just whoever, and we're pretty shit. We we do a pretty bad job of um, uploading them. <laughs> we uh, we just it's a, just one more thing that we always forget about. But the uh, 
so the right now connection maybe has like a hundred episodes uploaded and maybe 15 of those are mine um and a lot of that's because i'm really bad about uploading it whenever it's my turn to to share but uh the other 85 are jason and if you're listening to this i will give a word of warning and i would say this if he was here and he would say this if he was here they're going to be a little bit more religious he um is a little he's it's funny because i'll have people ask me about the what or maybe think that Jason and I believe these very different things. Yeah. We don't at all. We actually believe almost everything, like not everything, but a lot of things like we're really close on what we think, but, uh, he is way more comfortable with his vocabulary than I am. Yeah. If that makes any sense. So, like, uh, I never hardly ever use the word God. It's because the baggage that comes with it. And I'm, I'm always projecting onto our, our guessing, what the person I'm talking to or the group I'm talking to, when they hear God, I'm like, oh, what do they think? Yeah. Because it really is. Uh, if there's 20 people in the room, they're thinking of 20 different things. Mm-hmm. And I, so I'm a little bit more literal when it comes to that, whereas Jason will say God, and he 100% means it as a, what, a metaphor for whatever kind of your higher power is. Mm-hmm. But he's okay with... So what I don't want is I don't want... I don't like the idea of someone being like, oh, he means this angry bearded man in the sky. I don't want people to think that's what I mean. Yeah. Whereas Jason's like, if they think that, I don't care. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's not what I believe, but they can think I believe that. Right, right. Um, so he's a little bit more um, comfortable or more frequently uses a little bit more the traditional church vocabulary than I'm comfortable using. Mm-hmm. But like we very much believe a lot of the same things, you know. Um, That's cool that he's comfortable and you're like, you stray away from that. It's kind of like a yin and yang with you two. I never thought about that you know, way. So. I kind of just got goosebumps. Yeah, that's right. That is, that's why I love Jason. Yeah. Is he's so... Balance each other yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He pushes me to... Um, so, there's a term in the religious world and maybe it's in other worlds. I just don't know, but it's a term called deconstruction. So deconstructing your faith. And that is, um, typically, uh, visualized as like tearing down a house. And what Jason always pushes me to do is not just to go through a neighborhood and tear down all the houses, but stop tearing down houses for a day and maybe see what you can build with what you just tore down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, it doesn't, you don't have to build a new house, but maybe you can like build a little couch or something. You know, like, yeah. the, what's the point of going through life just saying, like, that shit, that shit, that shit, I hate all this, I don't agree with any of this. And he's like, okay, well, that's cool. And that's a necessary thing to um, figure out, to, to, to speak negatively in a sense about. No, no, I don't like that. No, I don't like that. No, I don't like that. But to eventually you have to say, well, I do like this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at some point you have to. Uh, it's just a kind of an unhealthy way to go through life. And then I balance him out where he says he'll start, you know, and to keep the analogy, he'll start talking about how beautiful this house is. And I'll be like, hey, man, that foundation's kind of like crumbling. I think you should just tear it down. Yeah. And he's like, you're right. I probably should just tear it down, you know? Um, so yeah, we definitely balance each other out 
like that, which is, you're right. That's, I'm going to be thinking about that. That's, yeah. that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's good for both of you guys, like, that you yeah. work together like that and bring that vibe, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That is. I feel really, I feel really, I don't know, right now. Feel really, that's really cool. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. Now, are you still doing, like, uh, independent uh, content creation, like Brandon Carlton content creation stuff? No. So, I was running my own business um, for, I started about five years ago, part-time. About three years ago, I went full-time, quit my uh, my other full-time job, and I was doing, yeah, graphic design, video work. Uh, I got a contract with this organization in Chicago. This is uh, actually just two years ago. It was started at the beginning of May in, uh, two years ago. So this it was a, a nonprofit in, based out of Chicago, but it was national. It was called the National Center for Teacher Residencies. So there's a growing epidemic. Ask any teacher. They have, ex their student teaching experience was probably really shitty, first of all. Second of all, if theirs wasn't, they could tell you literal horror stories from people they know. So what, if you, ima like, imagine a t uh, what student teaching should look like. You know, what would that include? Like standing in front of a class and like learning how to teach? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Where there's some stu there's some teachers who I don't know how they've made it into being a teacher. Like they had to have a lot of, they had to be very resilient. Um, where they were literally the equivalent of a assistant, of like, yeah. all right, go get the coffee. Yeah. Uh, I got to run this errand. Actually, I got to take a letter, send it. Get you know, I got to mail off this package. Can you go do that for me? Mm -hmm. They literally become like personal assistants for teachers sometimes. Yeah. The te they're also not to throw every teacher under the bus, but some teachers are just unbelievably overwhelmed. And it's like you are going, I, I'm supposed to have a, um, a paraeducator or like a behavioral therapist in my room, and I don't. Your job is to sit with whatever Timmy over here who has got these behavioral issues, and mm -hmm. you just, you're his best friend for the semester, and you don't, yeah. you don't teach. Um, and so they enter the classroom completely unprepared, uh, so the National Center for Teacher Residencies um, worked with different people to to partner with colleges and um, the training sites where where, the, where they're actually doing the student teaching to make that experience better. So it's based off of the clinical model in in uh, uh, like medical residencies. So like mm -hmm. uh, you spend a year as a um, as a resident in a hospital like doing the work of a doctor and being like literally spending every waking hour next to the doctor not getting the coffee i'm sure sometimes they still have to get the coffee well anyway the the average student teaching um amount of time they spend in a class student teaching is like six weeks whereas what the the organization i was working for was setting it up where they spent an entire year in the classroom mm. Mm -hmm. So the average teacher, you walk into a classroom, they've hardly ever spent one day leading a classroom. So day one, hired, you're a new teacher, go teach this class. You've never done it before. Probably feel like a substitute. Like you're just <laughs> walking in. Oh, geez. And we wonder, you know, why our system's so fucked up. So Yeah, that's uh, one big problem. Yeah. With many other problems. Yeah. Oh, man. So that's, I've, it was really meaningful work. Um, so I was working with them for... 
uh, 18 months. And so what they w would do is, let's say you were like, oh, that sounds amazing. I want to go talk to Augustana. And I want to go talk to this grade school over here. And I want to set up a program like this. Well, you have to think about hiring a staff. You have to think about how do you budget for that? How do you recruit schools coming out of you know, our students coming out of high school or college? To How do you like market your program? There's all these different things. Mm -hmm. And so what they would do is they would fly in. You said, hey, I want to do this thing. Well, they would either fly in and do a one week long or two week long course training you how to do it, or you would fly in and attend like a two week course in a, in a centralized um, city. Well, that's really ineffective because that means you have to have 2000. You have to, you can miss two weeks of work and you have whatever, all this money to attend the conference and fly or whatever. Yeah, that's not very, um, you know, most people don't have that capability. So what they hired me to do was to take this two-week course and turn it all into animated videos with live with voice actors. So I had to I had to take their um, PowerPoint decks and make it write a script, and then have a voice actor re record the script, and then I had to animate the video of like characters coming on screen and talking and stuff like that, teaching this two-week course. Hmm. So through that, so I was, I was at the time, I, before that, so I was like having, you know, five, six clients a month doing all these short jobs. And then this was a full-time job for 18 months, but it was going to come to an end. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to like keep other clients and trying to like juggle it all. But it kept getting harder and harder. Yeah. And I didn't like, I had no need to have more clients like I, they're mm -hmm. paying me a pretty good amount of money so i was like i don't know i have no motivation to like keep up this 60 hour work week you know um well anyway so that came to an end and i was like well what am i gonna do because all my uh, my my phone actually this is such an old school line my phone kept ringing like people kept asking me to do work and i have to keep telling them no and no mm -hmm. and no well i got done with that contract and i had the option to go back to hustle and try to like get all these independent contracts and piece together a salary well that didn't sound very attractive to me yeah. <laughs> after that 18 months oh yeah so there's a similar company um it, through that through nctr i met someone her name is shanti she uh is local uh, local she lives in um moline and she started her own education company that does very similar things. And uh, so it, it's not totally similar. It's actually not that similar at all, other than it involves education and teachers. But um, she needed someone to do almost the exact same thing. And I had already been doing it for N NCTR. So she hired me to full-time to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's the same kind of work. I'm doing graphic design. Yeah. I'm making videos. I'm... Uh, I, I made the website, you know what I mean? It's all mm -hmm. the exact same kind of work, but instead of having a bunch of clients, I'm just basically have one client, mm -hmm. you know? I bet that's good to help you uh, put out good work without having to worry about the schedule as far as a bunch of different independent clients and stuff too, so. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. And the, there's some, as I get older, I enjoy, um, 
longevity like not longevity but like i used to want to be i'm like oh so if i was trying to get something done let's say i'm working on a music video for a band i would say this is gonna be the best music video ever let's try and get this done let's like oh i really want this oh well that's gonna take three weeks i don't want to wait three weeks we'll do this other thing it's not as good but we can do it right now and not in three weeks Mm -hmm. well that micro decision of right now versus three weeks you apply that to an entire project like a music video and you end up getting a music video done in three weeks whereas if you chose the other option the longer option it would have been a year or something Mm -hmm. well that year-long video is going to be a hundred times better than the three-week video yeah and there's of course a balance there you don't want to take one year per music video if you're a band like that's not very good you know Mm -hmm. like you're gonna but um anyway that but but that second option of like really taking a year and doing solid work and doing multiple drafts and like refining and refining and refining that to me has become way more my jam than just let's get content out no matter how good it is yeah you know uh and that applies to a bunch of different things uh same thing with different like we could have done another different by now but it probably would have been pretty shitty Mm -hmm. and i want to like really put my time into planning it and scheduling it and to make sure that the quality is really good yeah fucking quality over quantity yeah Yeah. well the yeah unless you who was i listening to um oh you ever listened to hardcore history with dan carlin uh i don't I've listened to Dan Carlin on podcasts. I've yeah. heard him talk about shit. I I haven't listened to any of his himself. I well, should. Well, when he was, I think he's been on the Joe Rogan podcast twice. One of them I was listening to, he had a line that blew my mind, though, that said, quantity becomes a quality of its own. And that's the other, and that's the other side of that coin, is that, that and I don't know if you've seen what Lewis Knudsen, uh, he's a local musician, what he's been doing, but uh, he's been recording, uh, releasing a song a week this year. Mm. And they're not that, I mean, I, I, he'll admit, like, it probably, this song probably needed, like, a couple extra weeks of work, but, like, he's just pushed to keep keep putting out content because of this thing that he decided to do. And there is a certain quality to having 52 new songs in a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's pretty cool. And I've heard musicians that uh, they choose or prefer to, like, record a song on, like, one take, basically, and just yeah. have, capture that rawness, that roughness and stuff. That's another interesting side of that, too. Yeah. That, that takes such a level of, like, confidence in your approach just to be like, no, that's the take. Man, if I did that with my music, oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> It'd be garbage, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I can't imagine, dude. I've really weirdly learned to love um, revision and multiple drafts. And, like, honing's the wrong word, but, like, w- I made a one-page PDF the other day for um, work that we were, like, sending out to somebody, and it took us, like, a week to make it. Whereas before, I would have done it like in two hours. Yeah. The information would have been close to the same, but it probably wouldn't have been as effective in communicating what it was supposed to communicate, you right. know? And yeah, I mean, we, we in a week, we did like, it was like 12 different drafts. And I, I mean, to show you draft one versus draft eight that we finished with, it would, I mean, I do it to myself to remind myself of the value, but it would blow your mind. I'll, I'll look, I'll always go look at draft one and be like, 
holy shit like where we got to from where we started is yeah. so crazy you know yeah that's great but hell yeah well that's awesome man you're yeah. involved in so much different awesome stuff like as far as uh yeah qc food dudes and uh laundry love uh so yeah how would people want to if someone wants to do laundry love or give yeah. and grub how would they go about that is that do they have, do you have facebook pages for those or is it just event pages yeah so giving grub just has event pages laundry love qc has its own facebook page and its own website laundrylovequc.org uh otherwise yeah if you you can either just email me directly or find um, connectionqc.org online and email me through there um but yeah there's a bunch of different there's no this <laughs> you're making me realize we need to have a better way to get <laughs> streamline all this information that'll be my next project I mean, shit, like, I'm friends with you on Facebook, and I see all that stuff, so, I mean, I get it in my feed, so, yeah. you know, I see it a lot. Yeah, we we just do whatever's easiest, which typically just means, yeah, Facebook events. And I know you got a page for different, too. Page, yeah, we yeah. did. We started one. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I forgot about I that. I think you did, yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> that's good to know. Different, and that's D-I-F-F-R-I-N-T. Yes. Different. Yeah, there is um, one of, if you like, old, kind of old school boom bappy, not like, um, uh, not like Beastie Boys or Run DMC, where it's like those real simple rhymes, but like early 2000s, this is like backpack rap before backpack rap, when it was underground hip hop that was still trying to do a little bit more traditional style hip-hop you know mm-hmm. um it still had some modern twist to it but it was it wasn't you know like jermaine dupree you know <laughs> like that whenever i hear early 2000s hip-hop i hear jermaine dupree and yeah. i hear drop it like it's hot like those like mm-hmm. those are the initial sounds that come into my mind right um but uh but yeah the there's a group called deep space five and deep space five is we're like one of the very first hip-hop groups I really got into. And they have a line that says, um, or no, they had an album named uh, Unique, just like everybody else. And um, there was, they had a song that was based off that too, where it said, you want to be different. But, um, it, well, it's, it, that's a, actually, uh, I just learned this. That's a Kurt Cobain line. What is the line? Um, oh, it's about being different um everyone you know you laugh at me because i'm different but i laugh at you because you're all the same yeah i think that's a kurt cobain line uh they had a song that was like based around that and uh anyway that's where the idea of being or the um it's a play into for the different events and saying <laughs> we're we're all different come be different together right and it's kind of yeah. like well, we're not really that different we all have the and so the the tagline for different is uh, be unique like everybody else, mm-hmm. um, which is yeah that trying to play into that idea that like once you sh- start sharing your story, well actually this is the very last I think connection podcast I talked about where we actually have ninety five percent of stuff in common with yeah. most people, mm-hmm. uh, but we choose to focus on the five percent that we don't have in common, and once and really once you start sharing your story. 
it's impossible to not start picking up on that 95% that we all have in common. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's awesome. I think more people should do something like different, you know, in their own cities. Cause mm -hmm. That'd be great. I think it's a good thing for, you know, it, it might seem like a small thing, you know, like just a little thing you're putting on, you know, at a venue. But I think it's good for it could be good for society, you know, like yeah. just uh, bringing up that difficult subject matter and probably really therapeutic for the people there, like yeah. performing, talking about difficult stuff. And then, yeah, just the people hearing, like, I think it's, it's it would be like a good thing all around to like pro progress society and yeah, more of a loving way, I guess. That's the accepting of everyone. And yeah, I mean, that. that's the lofty goal of it for sure. I don't know how often that I was really um, encouraged. So this is going to sound really um, petty of me, but I was really happy about it. Um, after our last different event um, on race, we there was this couple there that um i think my my one of my sisters maybe knew them can't remember but they um they're uh, you know they're they were a white couple that lives in davenport and they came and they had been attending a church that i don't know how they made this jump in logic but they did, and, and it's not a questionable jump, in my opinion. Uh, they basically heard everybody's different story from the one on race, and they heard all these stories of people talking about what it was like growing up to not be white. And uh, they realized how important that was, and they realized the bubble that they were living in, and they were like, holy shit, we didn't know any of this. Yeah. Uh, they literally like had their minds blown by all the all the performers and um they left their church yeah <laughs> they were like yeah wow why are we not talking about, why is no one talking about this yeah. you're supposed to be a moral authority leading helping me navigate the world and you're not i was uh, unaware of all these things you that's know, a great example of how yeah that can really open people's minds and yeah make them become more accepting and loving and all around or whatever yeah but, and at the very least like even they're they you know what's the what's the or not in the very least but i guess the opposite of the very least like to keep dreaming on that is like well maybe they've left this church and someone said well why'd they leave or the leadership's like why'd they leave well maybe we should do a better job of talking about race mm-hmm and then so then they change and then they know somebody else. They're like, hey, yeah, we had some people leave because, you know, pastors talking to pastors. We had somebody leave because we weren't talking about race. So then the next place, you know, talks about race. That's the that's the lofty goal. But um, and thank you for reminding me of it, because when you get in the thick of it, you just again, you just focus on the clipboard. Yeah. And you're like, I need to fill nine different artist slots from this time. And I got to email so and so. And you lose sight of you know that kind of stuff right right yeah that's awesome so if anyone wants to get in contact with you or your work are you on social media as far as facebook and anything I am else just on facebook i've been trying to get rid of that yeah was on twitter and instagram as of like six months ago and i've slowly started to peel i, I got rid of twitter first and then instagram but yeah so i'm just on facebook um i'm pretty willing to befriend people 
Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if you, I, you know, send me a friend request, there's very few people I say no to. Yeah. But then like if I see one post I don't <laughs> Yeah. I'm usually like, all right, like, all I'm right. friend. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're not necessarily one post, but like a couple, you know, like you can pretty quickly figure out who is a bot or who's, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah. Um, we're just out to do stupid shit. But um, I don't know on Facebook like crazy. I, I have to be sometimes because of the events and doing promo and stuff. Um, but, but yeah, Facebook, Brandon yeah. Carlton. Um, otherwise, Connection QC has a Facebook. Uh, like you said, Laundry Love QC has a Facebook. Um, and LaundryLoveQC.org. Yep. Uh, Ode to the Underdog has a Facebook. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm on there at least once a week doing promoting those episodes. Um, so do, you can do some self-promo. Check out Cody's episode. Of, oh, yeah. <laughs> of Ode to the Underdog. <laughs> Hell, yeah. But yeah, that's awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on and everything. We had a good talk. and definitely get you back on again sometime yeah man, dive dude. deeper into Thank other various things thanks yeah. for having me into the like this is like this is like a sanctuary yeah yeah it's uh it's a good spot it's very chill i think so you know what i realize well you live is this a dead end yeah like i haven't heard any sound outside of this space i noticed some but oh you did <laughs> <laughs> i have big ears <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but this place yeah is no it worked out yeah so far yeah yeah, yeah thanks good. for having me but, on man hell yeah it's an honor man i appreciate it yeah definitely all right guys peace out